the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Sydney Edwards, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, everything happening in the cold chain world. Now, you know Running on Ice, the show, you know Running on Ice, my newsletter that I write every Wednesday and Friday, headlining the news. And so we're going to get into a bit of those headlines right now. Now, Salt Lake City's Pride Transport announced a driver pay increase. President of the reefer carrier, Jay England, calls drivers the backbone of the country and says that they are committed to compensating drivers for their dedicated service. England says they are increasing CPM pay fleet-wide, bumping the average driver's salary to $81,000. And the pay range now for solo over-the-road drivers is $0.57 cents per mile to $0.75 cents per mile. And a few bonuses are included like a $10,000 sign-on bonus paid out over two years, a 20% 401k match, fuel mileage incentives, and a bit more. In Americus, Georgia is officially home to a new poultry plant. Tamarack Foods announced the build, saying this opening allows them to service East Coast markets. The facility also comes with welcomed automated functions. WALB News reports that Tamarack Foods expects to hire 150 to 200 more employees and that the company conducted a wage study to ensure their pay is desirable for workers. And Home Run Inn is recalling over 13,000 pounds of frozen pizza that may be contaminated with metal. The USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service says the pizzas were shipped to a distributor in Illinois and then taken to retailers. The pizza is labeled Home Run Inn Chicago's Premium Pizzeria Deluxe Sausage Classic Pizza with the best buy date of December 3rd, 2020. The company was made aware of the issue after receiving customer complaints that people found metal in their pizza. The USDA says there have been no reports of injuries from the product. However, distribute excuse me, distributors and retailers are urged not to sell these products and to throw them away or return them to their place of purchase. Now to the good stuff. Today, my guest is TJ Rizzo. He is the Chief Commercial Officer at Cold Chain Technologies, and we have him on now. TJ, how are you doing? Good, Sydney. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I haven't had you on the show before, so I'd like to get a little bit into your background and, and you starting with CCT. How did things really begin? Sure. So um, I'm the Chief Commercial Officer with Cold Chain Technologies. I'm based in uh, Franklin, Massachusetts. We're a global provider of temperature assurance packaging for the predominantly the life science industry. Uh, I oversee our sales globally and our business unit teams, uh, but I also spend a lot of time involved in the industry as a um, the chairman of the uh, ISTA Pharma Committee uh, and also other industry groups out there. Perfect. And so working with Cold Chain Technologies, maybe give me a little insight on what CCT typically does and, and the markets that they're focused on. Yeah, our, our main goal really is to ensure safety, uh, patient safety of temperature-sensitive products, and that could be vaccines, life-saving therapies. Uh, we work with a lot of diabetes drugs, biologics, tissue, clinical trials, uh, the cell and gene therapy space, and really many, many products out there have to be kept at a certain temperature, some cold, some uh, frozen, some can't get too cold. Uh, so we specialize in helping customers ensure that when they ship from point A to point B in the supply chain, it's kept at the right temperature. And, you know, really that's coming under really high uh, visibility here with the COVID-19 vaccine over the last couple of years, uh, all those vaccines requiring specialized transport. So that's where we play right now. Um, we provide packaging services, but also um, other services to them to help them to optimize their costs, the complexity, 
and also ultimately reduce the environmental impact that they have through distributing uh, life science products. So our topic today, of course, is sustainability. And there are, you know, so many companies, so many businesses working on making their products sustainable. Where are you seeing these efforts specifically? And I feel like I would think that in pharma, that's even harder to do. Yeah, it's it's not uh, an easy challenge at all, Sydney. It's and it really comes down to each company has their own sustainability goals and what they're really trying to what they're really trying to do. You know, on, on a product level, many of our customers are trying to reduce the waste um, that they generate, um, not only from the directly from the product, but also all the packaging that's associated with it and their manufacturing processes. Um, and some are working on to try to um, reduce the amount of that goes into a landfill at the end of the day. Some are looking to really um, uh, reduce their carbon footprint. Uh, others are really looking at this truly holistically from a life cycle um, analysis and really trying to understand from the from cradle to grave, uh, manufacturing the products and not only from the, the the actual packaging they use, but also the manufacturing and distribution processes. Of course, packaging is one of them, but what might be other products that you know, companies are are trying to make sustainable, if anything, that CCT is even working on? It's a, it's a good question. So there's different areas, you know, some are, are looking on, you know, in diff, many different areas, one probably uh, very relevant to, to your show is really on the transport side. Um, so how, what type of which mode of transport am I using? Am I using ground or air or sea? trying to optimize that distribution chain and the impact on the environment, trying to ship more in, in bulk rather than in smaller um, uh, smaller quantities to really optimize the, you know, the per unit impact in the organi- on the company. Um, and then some are getting into the actual products used for packaging. You know, we see a lot of trends in reusability, um, trying to utilize materials that are more robust um, and not necessarily um, it, on the, on the, uh, thrown away at each time it's used. Um, that obviously has an, uh, um, can have a, a positive impact on waste disposal and overall the carbon uh, footprint that the, those products um, use. And other, other companies are looking at um, where they potentially can't get back the products that they're using, looking at more uh, responsibly disposable, whether that be biodegradable um, or whether it be curbside recyclable solutions. So there's, there's different ways you can accomplish um, uh, you know, the goal of trying to be more sustainable. Um, and, you know, we help our customers to try to understand that and many in the industry are as well. When you and I first talked, you'd mentioned returnable and reusable and then responsible and disposable. Being someone who's not, you know, deep into the industry of green, what exactly are the differences between those two? Yeah, so re- reusable is, is similar to what it sounds. You know, it's really something that, you know, is a package or a product that is used. And then there's a return logistics channel to bring it back to the to the point of use. And obviously, as you can imagine, in the pharmaceutical industry, that's very highly regulated. There's a lot of compliance involved. Um, you know, when it comes to reusing a product, there's some specific quality metrics that need to be insured on every single turn. So, you know, we see that um, reusable products being used uh, mostly within it, within one country, for instance, um, shipping around the United States as a, as a good example. Um, and then we also see it on some international lanes where it's maybe on bulk products uh, where there's more of a, a return lane or a closed loop in, in service. So um, when we talk about reusable, it can be from a, a small parcel package that's used to ship, say, a single unit um, uh, vials or even up to or sometimes up to cases. And we're also seeing it for reusing pallets. Um, and uh, people shipping them a pallet from, say, the United States to Europe, uh, very established lanes uh, transport-wise. So we see cu- people reusing durable containers 
mostly through service providers like Cold Chain Technologies that will will manage that for them. But ultimately, not only re- re- retrieving the package and managing return logistics, but also ensuring the quality uh, meets original uh, specifications at every single turn. You mentioned the regulations that it takes for you know both of these avenues when it comes to using these products. It can't be that easy all the time. What are some of these myths maybe with reusability? And there's that buzzword of greenwashing. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, um, in, in regards to reusability, like I mentioned, there's uh, just because something may look still good and still new, um, some materials, they really won't meet the original specifications of that product overall. So really having a robust uh, re, uh, return reuse cycle and inspection process is really critical for there. Um, you know, may, things may be look great, but they're not. I, I think the, the greenwashing and the myths um, also come to play on the responsibly disposable aspects. You know, there's many products that are recyclable and or biodegradable, but it has to be in the right um, environment. So there's some materials that um, is actually can be reground and reused, but you have to send it to a specific center, which are not very accessible or widely available throughout the United States, for instance, in order to do that. So while it may be recyclable, in order to actually recycle it, it's not really easy for the um, for the uh, end user to do that. Same thing on a biodegradability. You know, when you, you see this even on consumer packaging, right, um, where ultimately it, the, the package is biodegradable, but when you read the fine print, it has to be in a specific uh, type of composting facility, an industrial one, where, you know, some of the end users, consumers may think, oh, if this goes to a landfill, it'll biodegrade. That's actually not the case. It needs really special circumstances and in order to actually be able to biodegrade. So when we talk about this from a standpoint with customers, um, it's really trying to understand what's the most likelihood of it actually being either recycled or reused and try to put them into a, um, you know, the appropriate um, uh, type of product and or service in order to really be able to accomplish that goal. As a consumer myself, there's one thing that I I do buy specifically because it says that it's biodegradable um, and it's dog bags. And I know that that's funny, but that's the one thing that I notice. And it's this brown packaging (laughs) and all the above. And it's, it says that it's biodegradable and, and, you know, green for all intensive purposes. But I know that that's not necessarily the truth. It might just be the package. It's not going to be the bags. There, there's something <laughs> that, like, I feel like I'm getting greenwashed <laughs> when I'm buying them. I still buy them, but... Yeah, you know, Cindy, it's actually a great point because, you know, these companies, many companies, you know, both consumer and also on a B2B, are using sustainability as a, a marketing, you know, uh, tool, right? And trying to show that they're trying to be better for the environment. And you're right, it is an emotional aspect associated with it, right? So I, I'm with you. I, there's certain products I buy because um, of the, the green aspect of it, but we're not really truly understanding, is it really green? Are, are there any other products that you can think of that just the type of product that it is that is you know, is known for maybe ha- being, you know, showing off its greenwash? Well, I, I think when it comes to, you know, this is where I, I mentioned earlier is kind of about what you're trying to accomplish. When you look at some returnable packaging, for instance, the, the, the impact on the environment to manufacture it the first time may be so great that the return on it may take 10 or 15 years before it actually um, offsets what it did on the initial manufacturing. You know, I, I, I remember reading case studies about uh, artificial Christmas trees, right? And that uh, ultimately you may think it's, um, it may be better on the environment overall to not chop down a, you know, a real tree and, and, and use an artificial tree instead. But in order to actually make that um, artificial tree, what's the impact on the environment, right? So 
and maybe pushed on this aspect of, hey, this is a reusable tree, for instance, in this example. But really, when you look at it from the other side, it may be by the time you plant another tree and it regrows, it may not uh, offset the actual initial impact of that of that initial tree. So it's just a small example on a more of a, a consumer basis. Um, but we do see that also with uh, products in the in the transport and freight industry, right, in general. So we looked at an example years ago, for instance, of uh, using returnable packaging to deliver one of our products to a, a customer. And when we looked at the initial outlay, uh, we actually had a third party do a study. The initial outlay to make that reusable product was so much greater than the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the impact each and every one if it was disposable. It happened to be going from you know, a, a plain corrugate to a plastic uh, you know, type of tray. Um, because you can recycle the corrugate and you had to return the packaging, it was a 12-year break-even point on the environmental aspect. And at that point, you know what, 12 years, I would I would assume many of those are going to break and or be lost during that time frame. So ultimately, when we started with a, a green potential project uh, that would be reusable, it actually ended up turning out to be worse for the environment. So why not just go green? The companies that, you know, maybe are doing the greenwashing or is it is it just the money of it all? Yeah, I, I'll say that um, really in the past couple of years, uh, we've seen the um, uh, the type of products and services available for more environmentally friendly products has really picked up uh, overall. Um, previously to that, I would say that many companies, while they wanted to be uh, more environmentally friendly or green, uh, the cost of those products was was prohibitive for them. Uh, but we've seen that change here. We see a lot of companies like like ours here. We're trying to uh, make them more accessible to customers and really looking at this from a total cost. You know, one example is uh, we provide some packaging for the shipment of through the parcel systems. Um, and when you look at this, you can actually get a better performing product um, and uh, one that will actually protect the the drug product better at a lower cost overall. Um, by you design a, re- a reusable solution where previously it had been cost prohibitive. So one area we see is that companies are really now, this is a major initiative for them, and they're willing to pay um, a slight premium for, for reusability or, uh, or something that's uh, you know, responsibly disposable. Now, there's always a break point on that. So you're not, nobody's willing to pay double for that. But we see people that are really starting to put um, their money um, behind their efforts and their initiatives and trying to be better on the environment. And I would like to get into more of CCT's sustainability efforts. And I know we have a couple images that you've sent us. If we could pull those up, that would be great. And we can talk about um, CCT sustainability initiative maybe a bit more. Be great. Perfect. Um, we'll just jump into it. Maybe you could tell me what CCT's okay. goals are and, and what they're working on. Sure. So, you know, really, uh, culture technologies, like many organizations, we kind of have to put focus areas, right? Um, and, you know, one of our areas is, is really about positively impacting the health of our communities and our planet through the safe and um, sustainable transport of our of our uh, of all medicinal products. You know, we're a, a critical player, as many other companies are in that supply chain of the drug product. So we play a, a role in that in general. There's also the environmental impact from our own manufacturing operations and our own logistics operations. And we are working to decarbonize um, our products and our service based on a circular economy. Um, we really try to generate social and environmental change um, through that benefit there to really promote um, the planet, our partners in, in global health. And I can tell you as a goal for Cold Chain Technologies, uh, we have a goal, a, a goal right now to reduce landfill waste uh, by 50 million pounds uh, by 2025 with an interim goal next year in 2023 of 25 million pounds. And we're trying to do that through a combination 
of reusable products and also recyclable products that can be put into a, um, a you know, um, repulped and reused part of the um, supply chain overall. Additionally to that, you know, there's some optimization aspects. You know, a lot of times you get going, especially in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, where change is not always the easiest to uh, push through just because of the regulations involved, um, but really trying to help our customers reanalyze and optimize their supply chains, uh, looking at how much product they're putting in each and every package, looking at the requirements that they had in place. Is it, you know, do they really need the level of protection which they may have st- started with? now that they have all this data to really support and optimize overall. So there's different avenues that we're trying to partner with our customers. We look at it from a product, a service, and a, an optimization standpoint. And really trying to, it's not a one-size-fits-all city. That's the one thing I can tell you overall from these customers. What exactly are you hearing from those customers? I'd love to hear some feedback you've gotten. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's great. I'll give you two from both perspectives. I mean, you have it from an aspect of, um, from an aspect of um, the pharmaceutical people actually shipping the products, you know, obviously they all have their own goals and they're all trying to reach. And everybody, just as we talked about before, wants to feel better about and make make uh, and make make uh, make feel better about their their impact on the environment. Um, we hear also from the end users, the actual many of these products are either going to patients' houses, the hospitals, the clinics, the doctors' offices, and I'll tell you, they love the aspect of it as well them playing a part. There's also the convenience factor, right? So. Uh, historically, they would get shipped um, a lot of packaging, which they had to throw in a dumpster um, and, um, you know, really took up a lot of space. Some of these doctor's offices and clinics, they don't have a lot of storage space at all. So receiving these products was really a hassle for them as uh, in addition. So not only is there the environmental impact, but there's the impact them on, a, on, their, on their businesses. So when we talk about reusable packaging and actually taking that burden off of them, they can just hand the box back to a, you know, uh, either a FedEx or a UPS and have it returned. Um, and also on the um, some of the items that are recyclable, they can put it into a different, um, you know, waste stream uh, and again, feel good about it. So we see both on, a, on an end user aspect wise, some positive feedback specifically, um, but we also see it from the actual people shipping it. You know, with that being said, I'll tell you there there is some differences and you have to be aware of who it's actually going to as part of the analysis. So if you're shipping it to, you know, a remote place that doesn't have a, a uh, you know, a return pickup or it doesn't have, you know, um, an opportunity to recycle, those are different areas we've seen that customers have employed different um, return strategies as a, as a result of that. But again, it, it also comes back to really understanding what you're trying to accomplish and what your uh, what your supply chain, both on the on the upfront and on the receiving end, can actually what they're actually physically able to do. So, what type of products do customers mostly want now? And I don't know if there's anything that that you think the industry is pushing towards more in the future. Um, I think it really depends on the the length. And the cost is still a major factor in this. I mean, I, I, while they may be willing to pay a little bit more for reusability or sustainability, uh, it is a, uh, a, a a significant hurdle still when it comes into the into play. So when we're we're talking about you know high value drug products that are going B two B, we see reusable packaging being a real um, you know uh, product of interest. We have what's called our GTS EcoFlex product line. Uh, that was used to ship um, um, by Operation Warp Speed all of the uh, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and Novavax vaccines throughout the United States. And that alone has, has reduced the impact on the environment significantly, you know, over, you know, 1 million packages shipped here to date uh, or programmed to date here and seen a great impact there. So we see on the high-value um, products that are really um, 
costly to replace, um, more of a reusable aspect. And we see more of the B2C or downstream uh, distribution. We see people really more interested in the recyclability or biodegradability of packaging as being a key factor. And again, really about it, you know the impact of returning all the packages you know, going to people's houses while we all get Amazon shipped to our house every single day and other products from um, big, big box retailers. Um, having those returns on an ongoing basis can be challenging. And the likelihood of return is also maybe a reduced um, on a going in a B2C aspect wise. So on the downstream, we see uh, products that are recyclable. Uh, you know, cold chain, we launched a, a curbside recyclable and curbside repulpable, uh, repulpable shipping system made of uh, paper-based um, products that's being used for the distribution of some very large drug products right now directly to patients' homes and small clinics. And then on the clinical trial and on the pharmaceutical side, we see more reusable packaging being used for those high-value, larger, large, larger-value shipments. I know that this is a wild question to think about. Do you think we're only <laughs> in the beginning of our sustainability abilities when it comes to what companies can do, what we will be doing if everybody gets involved. I don't know if you think, you know, maybe we're 10 years out from everybody really making an actual difference, 30 years out, 50 years out, 200 years out. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's two hundred years out. I can say that. Um, you know, I will tell you the gains in the last last three years have been substantial. Um, I think over the next five to ten years, the impact will be felt significantly. You know, there's a critical mass associated with this as well, right? I mean, as more and more people are using these types of packaging, you're going to see other um, providers pop up that will create new products. Plus, you see the economies of scale driving the cost down, which makes it more more affordable for you know the general masses. So, I think that, um, like I said, the uh, people overall, and what we're seeing in the pharmaceutical industry, have really have really stepped up their their own game and put their money where the mouth is. You know, say frankly, on trying to be more green and sustainable and putting forth these efforts to drive that. And I think those efforts will start to drive throughout the rest of the supply chain as a result. Okay, I'm glad you were saying it's. Rather sooner rather than later. <laughs> Is there anything else coming up for CCT that we can tease to? What do you guys have going on? Uh, you know, we are, uh, you know, focusing heavily on the sustainability aspects. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned before, briefly, besides the products that are used, you know, uh, there's many, many different products being uh, developed. And I mentioned a few that we have. It's really it also comes around data and the digital services that are go, so, go associated with it. So I know at Cold Chain, we're looking at really looking at history and trying to, like I mentioned before, optimize the packaging, optimize the, the mode of transit. Uh, trying to use alternative um, uh, types of materials and fuels and, and transport in order to really drive improvements both on a cost and a quality, but also while reducing your environmental footprint. So, you know, we've recently launched some optimization services uh, that are tied not only from data, but also some significant um, subject matter expertise within the industry. Uh, we think that, you know, we're starting in the, in the pharmaceutical industry, but it could have, um, you know, ramifications um, throughout the um, other temperature sensitive type of products. You know, like I mentioned, we do work in the perishable food business um, on, a, on a smaller scale and other specialty chemicals and uh, electronics. Um, and we think that, um, you know, what's learned from one industry potentially could be applied to others. So hopefully overall, we can all see an impact um, both on a, on a quality uh, improvement, but also on a reduction in environmental through some of these new products and services that companies like Colchin Technologies are bringing out. TJ, thank you so much for joining the show. Please tell me where folks can hear more from you and from Cold Chain Technologies. Uh, I'd recommend, you know, obviously the, the main channels. Our, our website is www.coldchaintech. 
which is T-E-C-H.com. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, on, on Twitter, all the uh, all social media uh, avenues there in general. And uh, like I said, we're, we're based here in the United States, but we have a global presence. Um, and we're supporting customers not only here in the U.S., which is our, um, our historical area, but also in Europe, Latin America, and APAC. So uh, that's the best place to reach us. Perfect. Well, I'm excited for the future of sustainability. And thank you again so much for joining the show. Thank you again for having me, Cindy. Now, this week, I will not be having a Running on Ice uh, newsletter coming out at 7 p.m., as it usually does on those Fridays. Um, But you can still stay updated. Head on over to FreightWaves.com. Watch any of these episodes. You can listen to the uh, podcast or check out the newsletter there. You can also get onto our YouTube channel to stay updated on any other industry news happening. Now, next week, we are going to be talking with Rafiq Bashara. He's a man of many titles and a vast knowledge of the challenges developing countries face in the cold chain and some solutions he knows about. So stay tuned. It's going to be a great show next week. Stay cool, everyone.